0: Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. Orbiting this at a distance of roughly 92 million miles is an utterly insignificant little blue-green planet whose ape-descended life forms are so amazingly primitive that two of them think doing a podcast called Digital Watches are a pretty neat idea is a pretty neat idea. They are Jeff and Brian. Hi there, this is Jeff, I'm with my friend Brian, and my brother John, and this is our Valentine's Day bonus episode!
1: Hey Jeff, how are you? i'm doing great brian how are you well frankly i'm feeling a little squirrely (laughs) squirrely why are you feeling squirrely well let's just say i'm excited and i can't decide on which side of the road i want to be on (laughs) well you better make a decision or it will end badly oh there you go (laughs) but the reason that i'm so excited is because uh well first off let's talk about our special guest This is our first live guest with us today, and maybe you can do me the honor and introduce him, Jeff.
0: Brian, this is my brother, John. (laughs) Hi, Brian.
1: What about all the other folks out there? Don't you think they'd like to meet him? (laughs) No, no, I don't want to introduce him to them.
2: (laughs) He doesn't like me that much. (laughs)
0: the reason I don't want to introduce him to all the fine people out there is that I don't believe he has ever read a single Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book.
3: <laughs> I beg your pardon. I read one. Okay. And it didn't inspire me to read any more, but I did enjoy the first one. Okay. And I have listened to your show Couples and couples of
1: times. Couples and couples <laughs> of times, yes. Oh, he makes up our entire audience then. Right. <laughs> so even though
0: John is our first live guest, he's also the last of my immediate family to be featured on the podcast, <laughs> which
3: I've noticed, by the way. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, one or two of the episodes when he's talking about the list of people to thank, it sounds like... a. Lesnick family tree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it, it pretty much is because it's my sister Julie and my brother Jim's wife and his kids and my brother Joe's kids who did our musical introduction and then I've got niece on Denise's side and I've got a niece and her husband on Denise's side who has done stuff for us, my Uncle Jim, my Aunt Jean, a friend, and then what's the list of The people that you've brought over?
1: (laughs) Well, it includes and uh, is bracketed by one individual. (laughs) My (laughs) And and she's done a couple of things. Denise has been on. She
0: does the little closing like Lorraine does. But Lorraine Mm -hmm. has actually done some other poetry and or. Oh, she did the poem. And she also did the um, uh, Sheila's. ear Ear. yes yes is that what it was sheila's ear yes she plays sheila sheila's right so i was trying to do an end around of you to try and get one of your family members to secretly record something is that right um yep you had mentioned that uh, your niece kyla would be one who would most likely say yes so i tried to Contact her by sending a friend request over Facebook, of which has been ignored for
1: a long time. Oh, no, no, no. Jeff, you never give off any creepy old man vibes. Oh, no. Well, then I'm doing it wrong. Oh, my gosh.
0: So, before we get started with this episode, I want to talk about me editing the second half of the Mostly Harmless episode when I came across a passage that really sounded funny to me. And (laughs) I think you'll get a kick out of it because it's kind of historical and hysterical at the same time. (laughs) I was telling the story about when you were in town with your father's business to do the convention. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: I met you up there and I told this whole story. Mm Mm-hmm. When I'm listening to it, it made it sound like you and I went out on a romantic dinner to a French restaurant. <laughs> when really your dad was there and
2: <laughs> and his business partner was there,
0: and there might have even been somebody else there I don't remember. But you'll learn that when you get to the end of the story, and I talk about your dad making us all drink the Armagnac, But <laughs> Armanach, <laughs> but it yeah. was just it was just weird when
1: I'm listening to it going. <laughs> Oh, this is sending off the wrong <laughs> signals. Well, maybe that's why you were having trouble with Kyla, because uh, I've told you this story before, but uh, one time my mom was uh, talking with one of her friends, I guess, and was describing mm-hmm. that you were a friend of mine, and she said, oh, that's his special friend, Jeff. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I think it was yeah. right around the time we got I got married to Lorraine, I think. I, you know, <laughs> right. It was, it was around there, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Brian and his special friend Jeff. But I always thought that was pretty funny.
3: Mom was just sharing your closeness. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all. I just want to tell this story since it's right in my head right now.
0: In the best man speech I gave to Brian, one of the things I said was, Never tell Brian a joke. You don't want him to ask you to repeat to his mother. (laughs)
2: Well,
3: yeah, that's, I mean... That's good advice. That's good advice. <laughs> so we're all...
0: He's, we're going to go out. They're going to take us out to dinner. And they've got some favorite Chinese restaurant that they were they were <laughs> going to take me to. And I told Brian, I'm like, oh, I'm allergic to Chinese food. I said, yeah? I said, the waitress just has to walk over to the table and I get a swelling. <laughs>
2: oh yeah yeah so on the way (laughs) to
0: the restaurant he goes jeff
1: i heard you were allergic (laughs) (laughs)
2: oh
1: yeah my my oh come on now you know my dad he was always into that stuff and when i was i don't know how how old i was maybe 12 or 13 years old he took me to go see richard pryor uh, out uh, oh live yeah live oh wow i mean and richard pryor back then oh god he was just he was hysterically funny and very, very oh, yeah. dirty. But uh, we were sitting at the restaurant. And we went to the racetrack inn or something like that. It was called, and it was one of these places where you get dinner and drinks and then watch a show. And right as we sat down, he said something to the effect of, "Oh, you guys all know the parsley joke," and we're okay. like, "What? The <laughs> joke. You know the parsley joke?" And we were sitting there all night, and all and Mom keeps going, "Yes." Now, yeah, just you, just Marshall, you just stop that. Just stop talking about the parsley joke. And we're like, what the heck's going on here? And finally, at the end of the dinner, after we'd been listening to Richard Pryor all night, he says, "Well, guys, I got to tell you the parsley joke." And it goes like this: What's the difference between parsley and pussy? Okay, what's the difference between parsley? I don't and pussy? know. Nobody eats parsley. <laughs>
0: That was one of my
1: dad's favorite jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So if it was not R-rated, it wasn't that funny. (laughs) Right.
0: Well, my favorite dirty joke, sort of, was heard on the match game way back in the 70s, which was, what happened to the newlywed couple that didn't know the difference between Vaseline and Putty? (laughs) Their windows fell out. (laughs) Oh, so right. that was Charles Nelson Riley uh-huh. and I was bracing oh. myself
3: for this punchline. <laughs> what the hell is he gonna say on TV? Oh man. Kind <laughs> oh, <laughs> of the whole crowd felt it. the same way. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell my favorite romantic joke. Uh the uh the hardest I and this is not a funny joke. It was uh I was in I was in basic training, which is basically Training? <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it's. Well, I'm trying. It's isolation. Like, what do they call when they put you in prison? When they fucking put you in Right. solitary, like, solitary, solitary confinement? confinement yep. It's kind of like solitary confinement, but you're mm-hmm. with a bunch of other dudes. Mm-hmm. And the joke started. And it's just one dirty joke after another. And it's dozens and dozens because there's yeah. got to oh, yeah. be 20 people telling these different jokes. So every time somebody says something like what's the difference between parsley and pussy like you're trying to figure it out right so you're sitting there and and you're thinking and thinking you're trying to figure out their joke before they tell it so it's getting old like i am done with these jokes i just want to go i want this conversation to end and somebody goes (laughs) how do you get a nun pregnant and we i'm just sitting there thinking and thinking and thinking goes You fucker! (laughs) I just (laughs) died laughing. It was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever heard in my life. I would not stop laughing, and I will never forget because it was the least, the the last guy you would expect that joke to come from. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Right, right.
1: (laughs) Oh. So, see, that was the last episode we did, right? The last book where uh, they brought up whether or not Arthur. uh, In fact, enjoys carnal knowledge. Yes. (laughs) Felt the need to copulate.
3: Oh, gosh.
0: Well, as much fun as that was, the reason we're here is because John likes telling squirrel stories as much as I like telling squirrel stories. And we're here to tell squirrel stories.
1: That's right. Just to give you guys a little bit of an idea of what's going on at this particular moment, we're talking about Mostly Harmless. Yep. And in the episode, we've divided it up into two separate sections because our conversation got a little long. Yep. And the part of the story we're actually talking about now is going to appear in our second session of the Mostly Harmless story. Yes, it will. And that revolves around Random and her trip into the woods. Correct. Correct. As she's trying to get away from the village, she decides to head out into the woods, and she knows the one place that Arthur won't follow her is back to the crash site. Right. So she works her way back to the crash site, and on her way there, she is accosted by squirrels. Yes, she is. Some of them are handing her little acorn cups full of water. Some are trying to hand her little damp towels and she's getting very confused as to why this might happen. Later in the story, Ford explains to us that when the ship crashes, the robots, the cabin robots, get destroyed, and the cybermines that control them survive and start infecting the local wildlife. Yes. They can turn a whole ecosystem into some kind of helpless thrashing service industry, handing out hot towels and drinks to passers by. Right, right, right. And there should be a law against it. (laughs) There probably is. (laughs) Yes. And there's probably a law against there being a law against it. (laughs) That's that's exactly right. (laughs) So when we were talking about this during the episode, you brought up the fact that you had a squirrel story. I did. And we thought, what a great idea for a bonus episode. Yes. We're going to talk about squirrels. Right. Right. Okay, Jeff, now it's time to talk about squirrels. So I understand that your first squirrel story happened when you were a young man. So we're going to call this Young Jeff Plays It Safe. Okay. So yes, this story
0: goes way back, probably 50 years. This would be my first squirrel story, probably about eight years old. It was back in the day when neighbors didn't have privacy fences around every single yard. (laughs) And you could run through an entire neighborhood to your friend's house, just cutting through yards with no attack dogs or anything. So as I would be running to the neighbor four houses down, I would go through our neighbor's backyard, which was overgrown like a forest. The trees were so thick and dense, there was no grass. It was just leaves, sticks, rocks, weeds, forest floor. And he had an old dead oak tree with no branches, just a stump that was hollowed out that had a family of flying squirrels.
3: Now that tree was about fifteen to twenty feet tall. So it's when you say stump, it's not stump <laughs> close to the ground. No. It's well, it's go. a twenty-foot tree that's cut off at like like
1: I said, at that level. Yeah, that was know. yes, yeah, yes. They called it so, a stag in the forest, actually. Oh,
0: okay. Very But nice. this is a twenty-foot tree that an eight-year-old would go, that's got to be a 20-foot tree. And if we were to <laughs> walk by it now, it'd probably be 10 foot.
3: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So, but yeah, no but
0: doubt. as a kid, that was yeah. a 20-foot branchless trunk with a right. hole near the top of it. So this family of squirrels used to absolutely fascinate us and we would want to show friends and we would bring them over and then like, you know, idiot kids we'd grab a stick and just hammer on the trunk until they come flying out but that's not the story the story is (laughs) I wanted to get one of these squirrels to wave at me because there was one that always sat on the very top and watched me run from my house to the neighbors and back and every time I went by I'd stop I'd stand I'd wave and then I'd go on my way And and if he was there I'd stop and I'd wave And stop, and I'd wave. And then one time on my way home, he was up there. And I'm not going to play. I'm just on my way home. So I'm thinking, I've got time. I am going to stand here and wave until this squirrel waves back. So I just (laughs) stood there waving and waving and waving and waving. And I have no idea if anybody saw me. But I must have just looked like an idiot. But... To me, in my eight-year-old mind, that squirrel waved. He may have just scratched (laughs) his head. He may have just twitched a little bit. I don't know. Got an ear scratch Got an ear scratch. But he waved, and it made my year. And I just (laughs) ran home. House, mom, the squirrel waved at me. The squirrel waved at me. (laughs) So that was my delightful childhood
3: squirrel waving at me story. So I have a story from that same flying squirrel okay. in the same tree. All right, and it was a neighbor that came over. He was on the other side of the neighborhood. Yes, he right? was on the so east side. There was yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was the good side of the neighborhood. And there was the there was the other side of the tracks side well, yeah. of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he came from there. And he was a he was he was a good kid, but I can't say that he was the best influence in the world. No, so, not, not in any way, shape, or form. So, at some point, he came up, and you were telling him about the squirrel. Yep. And he went up, and at this point, the tree was not stable. So, he, you could go up and physically shake the tree. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is many years later. Yes. <laughs> shake the tree, and then the squirrel, and there was only one left, and he would jump and fly. And he always flew in the same direction. So, we mm-hmm. had done this a couple of times. Uh-huh. So... He, he would go up, shake the tree, and the squirrel would just jump up and then glide like yep. like a glider down to the ground. Mm. But it was always in a southerly direction. Right. So, he came up with the idea. He's like, we should try to catch it. So, the next thing I know,
2: <laughs> he's shaking the tree.
3: <laughs> Jeff's got a bucket on his head. <laughs> About where the squirrel would co- land, and sure enough, tree shakes, squirrel leaps, Jeff's standing there with a bucket, and that that squirrel landed right in the bucket. Now immediately, and and I don't know if this is memory or I this is so long ago. But I remember Jeff turning around and looking at me with these incredibly wide <laughs> eyes. Like, holy crap, I have a squirrel in a in bucket, a bucket on my head. head. <laughs> if that's an expression, that's what I saw. And then the squirrel, like, it wasn't in the bucket for a second. He mm-hmm. landed in the bucket, jumped up on the rim, and then jumped off and ran away. Yeah. But that moment was like... Oh my God, my brother just had a squirrel in a bucket on his head. And I believe that was the decision, like, at that point, the neighbor cut that tree down. Oh. That was like <laughs> okay. when when you have kids from the neighborhood shaking a tree. it like, could fall. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I believe that was the moment that that tree got cut down and made my dad so mad because... That was a wildlife. He loved the wildlife. He absolutely loved having those squirrels. Like flying squirrels are not common. No, I don't not. think I've ever seen another one. Mm-hmm. And it was in my neighbor's backyard. And when the, the neighbor cut that tree down, my dad was furious with him. But <laughs> my dad probably didn't know that neighbor kids were shaking it to get it to jump out and land in a bucket.
1: There you go. There yeah. you go. Well, Jeff, you must have felt like you'd won a raffle. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Well, I got to tie it back into the hitchhiker somehow, right? (laughs) Just like Fen Church and Arthur did when they won their raffle in the pub. Remember? Yes. They had been on the point of leaving when they were distracted by an awful outbreak of yoo-hooing. The appalling permed woman was waving to them across the room like some sort of stupid bird with a broken wing. Everyone in the pub turned to them and seemed to be expecting some sort of response.
0: So you're <laughs> saying that I was waving and you hooing like a bird with a broken wing, are you?
1: <laughs> well, they did put the raffle tickets in a bucket.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Nice. Yes. laughs>
1: All right, John, in terms of fairness, you're next. <laughs> and I understand your story is about entertainment At another's expense.
3: Yeah, I I guess it is. So this goes back. uh, So if you were eight, you were probably, this is probably eight years after that. I'm guessing you were, this was, I was probably 18 or 19 years old at this time. Our youngest brother, Jim, was probably around 12. And then my sister, Julie, Dr. Julie Lesnick, was (laughs) probably in that four or five range. Mm Mm-hmm. So to set this up, my parents were avid bird watchers. Right. So they always maintained bird feeders outside the kitchen window and the dining room window. There was standard mm-hmm. bird feeder, mm-hmm. there was a finch feeder, they had hummingbird feeder. My dad used to feed the orioles, he used to put oranges out in the spring to see if he attract an oriole. Oh yeah. So it was always a big deal. And the bird bath, and the bird bath so it was always a big deal when pretty birds came along. They weren't fans of ugly little brown birds, but if cardinals like <laughs> or the blue jays or the finches came mm-hmm. around, they were excited. Mm-hmm. So with the standard feeder, it was always a challenge to keep the squirrels out of it. And my dad used to get so frustrated at the squirrels that would always steal the seed from the birds. Right. So he used to buy every contraption... Known to man to stop <laughs> pre- or prevent the squirrels from getting to the feeder. Right. And it never worked because it's hanging from a tree and eventually right. a squirrel's going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I want to preface this by saying I have no specific memory of my father screaming at a squirrel <laughs> on a feeder to shoo him away. But it falls right
0: in line with his personality. <laughs>
3: And I'm sure at some point we saw him open up the back door, which opens out to the feeder itself. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Screaming at the squirrel because that <laughs> bird seed is—it's not squirrel feed; it's bird right. seed. <laughs> yes, right. So I come by my dislike of squirrels at this age, honestly. <laughs> right. We, we we learned it. So, I, um, my brother and I, Jimmy, at some point decided that, that what would be fun would be, you know what we should do? We should grab some ice cubes, and then when we see a squirrel on the feeder, we're going to jump out the back door and throw ice cubes at the squirrel. Okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> when I look back on it now, this was not a angry or mean thing to do Mm-mm. it was an impossible challenge right you can't hit a squirrel with an ice cube from 15 <laughs> feet like that's not right. that's not something you expect to do that's right. but it was fun and it would scare the squirrel away mm-hmm. right so the the whizzing of the ice cube through the branches and the leaves next to the tree <laughs> that the squirrel was on would chase right. him away mm-hmm. so there, we, there was we had some disadvantages, and then we had some advantages. The mm-hmm. disadvantage was the squirrels quickly learned that the back door opening meant frozen artillery fire. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> they would they would quickly, when the back door opened, they mm-hmm. would scramble. right. Now what we had going for us, our advantage was, is that the feeder was dangling from a chain. Mm-hmm. So when they tried to jump off of the feeder, the feeder moved and they dropped straight to the ground right and then they would have to scramble along the ground to get away right so right. there was that moment of <laughs> delay before they could get out of the way mm-hmm. Newton's law of motion <laughs> right <laughs> so we're we got our ice cubes and it also added to the challenge like okay I'm gonna open up the back door you go to the inside I'm gonna go to the outside and if he goes left if he goes right we're gonna take a shot at him
2: mm-hmm. so
3: Squirrel and feeder. Open up the back door. Squirrels drops to the ground. And Jimmy nails this squirrel
1: oh.
3: right <laughs> in the side. Uh-huh. And there, there's and he had to lead him like a quarterback. You have a receiver <laughs> running a weird route. Right. <laughs> An unpredictable route. And Jimmy chucks this ice cube and drills the squirrel right in its side. (laughs) Infinitely improbable. (laughs) Infinitely improbable. And there's like, what I remember most though, was when he hit the squirrel, the sound of it hitting a squirrel was such a deep bass thud. Like if I threw an ice cube at my 70 pound dog, Mm -hmm. it would make the same sound. It was this incredible deep thud thud Mm -hmm. and the squirrel never broke stride so so the squirrel (laughs) didn't go like oh you got me i'm dying like the squirrel just kept running Uh but that thud was incredible Mm -hmm. squirrel was obviously full of (laughs) crazy (laughs) throwing ice at squirrels didn't last long because when you hit a squirrel you can't not tell that story to everybody you know, <laughs> and it got back to my mom. Oh yeah, and like oh, yeah. and that just like at that point, that was like the <laughs> you do not throw ice at squirrels, which seems weird because there's it's again it goes back to the improbability of actually hitting a squirrel. That, that, that's right. That's so right. they used to jump out the door and yell,
0: "Post Raisin brand! <laughs> Post rais- <laughs>
3: If I hear boo one more
0: time, <laughs> so that's in reference to my mom also putting the kibosh on scaring each other by yelling boo.
1: Oh, when is that she right? Said
0: was you
3: can't yell boo. If I hear boo one more time, <laughs> you are going to be sorry. Oh, there so you go. Yell post raisin. So we would hide around the corner, and Jeff would walk in, and I'd go post raisin brand. <laughs> I didn't say boo, right? That's right. Still got in trouble. That's right. Anyway, so once the ice throwing ended, my sister, Dr. Julie Lesnick, was (laughs) incredibly entertained by whatever Jimmy and I did. Like, she was, like, our biggest fan. Like, she was always there. She always was excited. And we we couldn't throw ice anymore, so we had to come up with something else. So what I came up with was I could attach, like, a string to the side of the bird feeder. And I would run the string down on the ground and then through my dining room window Mm -hmm. and then it would just lay there and then when when a squirrel because a squirrel to get to the feeder because my dad had all of these elaborate contraptions to prevent (laughs) squirrel access right what the squirrel would do is he would stand on a branch about five feet away from the feeder itself and Mm. launch himself and catch and land on the feeder and then he would eat. So what I did was by running the string I would tell like Julie the squirrels here the squirrels here and then she would come to the window and I would sit there with the string and I would take up the slack and when the squirrel made his leap I would pull the feeder <laughs> out of his launch trajectory airball So he couldn't airball. he wasn't a flying squirrel so no. he couldn't like glide in a direction or change directions Right So he would land on the ground, and he would go right back up in the tree, and I would sit there with the thing, and when he jumped again, I would pull the feeder out of his trajectory, and he would land on the ground, and Julie would just laugh and laugh. (laughs) (laughs) The squirrel never gave up. I always gave up. Like, the squirrel (laughs) ran back. He would run up in that tree Mm -hmm. for eternity. Right. Right. Like, we would both starve to death. Before he stopped <laughs> jumping at that feeder, so then I would just okay, we're done. I would throw this string out the window and close or yeah, and close it, and yeah. then just the squirrel would have his feeder. But that was my <laughs> way of entertaining my sister, Doctor Julie Lesnick.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that! It reminds me of a family situation we had at our house, oh, where really? um, we'd be sitting down to dinner and then. All of us in the family really enjoyed music, so someone would eventually pick up some kind of a song lyric, and then all of us would start singing and it would drive my mother crazy and so she <laughs> that would up... never happen <laughs> in my family
3: <laughs> not in a million years.
1: Oh, it happened all the time at home. And so what we ended up and she'd say, No, no singing at the dinner table. And so whenever it happened that from then on we'd all get up and stand in the edge of the room and sing towards the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> so we were at yes. the dinner table. See? Technicalities. <laughs> Technicalities. Oh yeah. The story sort of reminds me of Ford and the Golga Frenchams. Don't you okay. think, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, if you remember when he was picking on them, Uh, about how stupid they were (laughs) they were all sitting there uh, and and at first they thought it was a lot of fun but eventually the tide of opinion started to turn against him and what started out as an excellent entertainment had now in the crowds view deteriorated into mere abuse and since (laughs) the abuse was in the main direction at them they wearied of it (laughs) yes (laughs) yes Okay, Jeff, now it's your turn. Okay. And I understand that your next squirrel story is about mind control. Mind control <laughs>
0: or or animal communication, I oh, guess okay. you could say as, okay. as well.
1: Okay, animal communication.
0: Yeah, so I've mentioned that I live on a horse farm and my wife Denise is a horse trainer and she's usually dealing with Horses that need special help or care or have problems or issues with trust and behavior. And she tries to approach her training from a level of understanding rather than forcing the horse to do a particular thing. So in this avenue of training, there's no stone that will be unturned. If there's something that might help, she's going to give it a try. So, there was a horse, Mac, that was an angry horse. And he tried to bite you, and they called it the Mac attack, and they could never figure out what his deal was. So, they contacted an animal communicator out of California, and she did a reading, and she did a whole lot of just the standard, regular, could apply to anything type of reading Mm -hmm. but there were a couple of things that were interesting okay one was mac felt that he was the farm's ambassador and the liaison between horses and humans and everything wasn't going how he wanted it to and that's why he was so angry okay and the other thing was that he really liked dandelions in this whole process of animal communication The woman had told us, or told Denise and her assistant Sophia, that animals think in pictures. You can use words because that helps you formulate the picture in your mind, but if they're going to pick up any communication from you, it's going to be a visual picture Mm -hmm. more than the words you say. Okay. And Sophia was going out to catch Mac, and he was all the way on the other end of the field. and. It was a hot summer day, and the last thing she wants to do is trudge all the way to the end of a 20-acre field. Mm -hmm. So she's just plodding out there. On her way, she came across this lone patch of dandelions. And she's like, I'm going to give this a try. So she just looked at the dandelions. She got a good picture of the dandelions in her head. And she looked up over across the field where Mac was and yelled real loud, Hey, Mac! dandelions. And Matt picked up his head, looked over to her, and then trotted across the field and came and ate the dandelions at her feet. <laughs> so, from that point on, I'm like, there might be something to this. So now we're going to fast forward right. to the squirrel. Okay, Lived in a 1930s bungalow with a back door that, if you go in the house, goes straight downstairs, or... If you made a right-hand turn going in, you'd go up four stairs into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I was in the kitchen. I went down the stairs, and I opened the doors to throw some recycling in our containers, which were just outside the door. The recycling containers were underneath the bedroom window, so there was a cement ledge above the trash cans. When I opened the door, there was a squirrel on the ledge, and I startled him, and he jumped up. And then he clung to the brick wall sideways. So here's this squirrel five feet from me, sideways on the wall, staring as I'm frozen with my aluminum can or whatever it was I was going to throw into the recycling bin, wondering what was going to happen. Well, next thing I know is that he jumped off the wall. He landed on my head and then launched himself into the kitchen, spun around, And was looking at me. (laughs) And I'm looking at the squirrel in the kitchen thinking, if he turns and runs into the house, this is going to be a long day. And I'm sure I had to work (laughs) that day. You know, so I worked afternoons. So I didn't have time to hunt down a squirrel in the house, nor did I want to go to work with the squirrel in the house. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to use this. Newly found animal communication (laughs) that I've just heard about. I hope he likes dandelions. I hope he likes
2: dandelions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I hope he wants out of the house as badly as I want him out of the house. Mm -hmm. So I'm still holding the door open and I'm looking at the squirrel. And then I just try and calm my whole body. All I am doing is I am picturing the squirrel running out down the stairs under my arm and out the door. That's all I'm picturing over and over. Run. And I'm also projecting you are safe. This way is freedom. You are safe. This way is freedom. Run to the light, (laughs) Run to the light. Run to the light. (laughs) So after what seemed like an eternity, who's maybe a minute, all of a sudden the squirrel ran down the stairs toward me, under my arm, out the door, and back into the yard, and I couldn't have been (laughs) more happy. (laughs) And if you think that animal communication is a bunch of BS, well, you've not had a squirrel on your head.
1: (laughs) Twice. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it sounds to me like you were practicing the ex-Prolite monk routine. Oh, yes. You know, yes. Like, like Ford did. Remember when Ford learned the techniques from a couple of ex-parlite monks running a mind-surfing resort in the hills of Hunan? hmm Ford's technique seemed to consist mainly of standing still for a while and smiling. Right. After a while, an animal, a deer perhaps, would appear from out of the trees and watch him cautiously. Ford would continue to smile at it. His eyes would soften and shine. He would seem to radiate a deep and universal love. That's what I was doing. A love which reached out and embraced all creation. A wonderful quietness would descend on the surrounding countryside, peaceful and serene, emanating from this transfigured man. Slowly, the deer would approach, step by step, until it was almost nuzzling him whereupon Ford would reach out to it and break its neck. (laughs) Pheromone control, he would say. You just have to know how to generate the right smell. Right (laughs) time. That's that's fair. Okay, John, I understand you have a story about how not unpredictable squirrels are. So... uh... So
3: this is, chronologically, this is my last squirrel story. Uh, Okay. Sue Sue and I were gone for a weekend, stopped at our sister's. We picked up our dog, Lacey, who's a hunting dog. We also have an old bungalow. Ours was from 29, so it's the same thing. You walk in the back door, you go up four stairs, or you go down the seven stairs, and on the back of the house is one... Window and it's for the spare bedroom, right? So we pull in the alley and we look up, and there's a squirrel on our windowsill but inside the house. Inside the oh house. no! <laughs> At this time, we uh, her brothers were helping us remodel our bathroom, so we had her brothers in the house, they had keys, they were probably in and out all weekend long. So, the first thing we both thought was, Oh, Paul, you're funny. Yeah. You put a squirrel in the window. Yeah. You're killing me, Paul. You're such a funny guy. And then the squirrel ran away. Okay. Uh, like, not a fake squirrel. Not fake. Like, that was a real squirrel. hmm. So, we go in the house. Uh, Lacey comes with us, and she just, there's, and, and, Okay, so walking to the door, we've been gone since Friday. Right. This is Sunday, late afternoon. I am picturing a destroyed house. Right. Right. I'm expecting chaos. (laughs) We walk in, go up our little four stairs into the kitchen, and nothing is disturbed. (laughs) It's like there's no animal mm. in our house. Okay. Like we have food on the counters. Nothing's touched. And I'm thinking to myself, did I did I see the squirrel? <laughs> One thing, we both saw it. Mm-hmm. And my dog is now sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. She is now patrolling the house. Right. And she is concentrating her efforts in that spare bedroom. Okay. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna go ahead and just close the spare bedroom door. Right. That's squirrel world. Mm-hmm. The rest of the house is mine. Uh <laughs> we have a, a nephew that has the live trap for small animals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So I call up Michael, go pick up the trap. I bait it with squirrel type peanut butters and raw <laughs> nuts. Right. And I slide it in the spare bedroom. Uh-huh. Close the door back up, and I'm Content, because I am convinced that the squirrel is in that spare bedroom. He's got a trap with food. This is good. Right. So got him. So, <laughs> we go about our evening. We go to bed. Just checking the trap periodically. Nothing. We get up the next morning. Nothing. Mm-hmm. No squirrel in my trap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, no big deal. Right. Not the end of the world. He's in there. We'll just wait him out. So we both go to work on Monday. We come home Monday night, no squirrel. Right. Okay. But on the other hand, still nothing else disturbed in the house. Yeah. There is nothing telling me that I don't have the squirrel where I think the squirrel is. Right. Hmm? Right. So Monday night, Sue's in our living room watching TV, mm-hmm. and <laughs> she hears the chattering oh. of a squirrel. In the living room. Uh Uh-oh. So she's, John. I come in. Lacey and I come in. I go, what? She's like, I heard the squirrel chatter. And then Lacey immediately goes to the TV stand. Mm -hmm. Right in the front. Mm -hmm. And she's sniffing right at the base. And then it chatters again. All right. So my TV stand. So let me explain my the front room my living room right there are nine windows in my living room mm-hmm. i have five on the front two on each side radiators on underneath both two window sides and my tv cabinet is kind of wedged in the corner and it's flush to the ground right on the front and two sides right, right. the back is open there's mm-hmm. like a three inch gap between the floor and and the bottom of the cabinet on the back of the cabinet, and it runs the length of the cabinet. That's where he's at. He's underneath my TV <laughs> stand. So John springs into action, mm-hmm. quick on his feet, thinking <laughs> dude, runs downstairs. I get a 2 by 4 and a couple of dumbbells, mm-hmm. and I take the 2 by 4 and seal the 3-inch gap, Yep. put two weights behind it. I have a squirrel completely contained. You Correct. got it. Mm -hmm. Get up the next morning, I call animal (laughs) control, I tell them I have a squirrel in the house, I know where he's in, he's not going anywhere. They send out a guy. So (laughs) it's late morning and a guy shows up. It's March. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's cool outside. He shows up and he walks in my house and he's got his squirrel grabbers. Okay. So a squirrel grabber is basically a can grabber. Okay.
2: So if if,
3: if you're picturing a commercial where an old lady is reaching to her top shelf and picking a can of peaches off the top shelf, that's the tool that he has. So he walks in like it's a firearm. Okay. I'm here to solve your squirrel problem. So I explain where the squirrel is, and he looks at me and he goes, "Well, I can't get him out of there." Like, well, I, I I don't know what to do. Like, he—that's where he's at. Right. He goes, "I'll tell you what we're going to do. Open up all the windows. There's a lot of windows. Open up all the windows, screens and everything, and we'll scare him out of there. Mm -hmm. And if you scare him out of there," He's going to come out, and he's going to feel that cool breeze coming in through the window, and he's just going to jump right out the window.
1: There you go. Right. Perfect plan.
3: And I, <laughs> I I, look at him, and I go, you want me to let a trapped squirrel in my home loose into the rest of my home? Or and, you could just wait a month. <laughs>
2: yeah, right? And when it starts smelling, yeah, then the, you,
3: you clear him right. out. So he goes, trust me squirrels aren't that unpredictable if he jumps out he'll he'll sense the air and he'll jump out so i'm looking at him like looking at his i'm looking at his face and i'm trying to give get a sense and he's confident i'm like okay that's what we're gonna do so i open up all the windows in my living room i take a an old screen door from original with the house and i block the living room from the dining room, and I put Lacey on the other side. Lacey's my dog. Right. Lacey's on the other side, right. so if the squirrel gets loose, not going into the rest right. of the house. Right. I get a rubber mallet, and I bang on the bottom of the cabinet, and, <laughs> and honestly, first of all, I didn't think he'd come out. Right. Like, I thought, you bang on the cabinet, he's just right. going to hunker down. Mm-hmm. Just like he said, I bang on the bottom of that cabinet. That squirrel comes out of the back. He jumps up on that radiator. He runs past two open windows that are inches from his face. Jumps to my living room floor and runs right underneath the couch. When he came in initially and I told him where the squirrel was, he's like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Because most of the time they get under your couch and they tear the fabric and they get up inside your couch. You can't get them out of there. Can't get them. They start nesting. They destroy your couch. You're Mm -hmm. lucky. You are lucky. (laughs) Squirrel runs right underneath my couch. I look (laughs) at that guy in the face and he just smiled and shrugged. Shrugged. (laughs) That's all he can do. What are you going to (laughs) do? So then his little precursor warning about don't let squirrels underneath your couch comes. And I'm like, all right. So the two (laughs) of us, I have this giant sectional in my front room. It's Mm -hmm. a three piece sectional. So... We run, we turn, we separate and turn over the first piece of section. The squirrel (laughs) bolts underneath the other section. So so we turn that one over. Mm -hmm. And the squirrel bolts underneath the radiator. Then he's trying to get him with the grabber. Then the squirrel runs to the living room or to the dining room, sees Lacey, turns around, runs underneath the lazy boy. Lazy boy gets turned over. Turn over to Lazy Boy. He runs under a radiator. We scare him out. He runs under the other piece. Every piece of furniture in my living room gets upended and turned over. And finally the squirrel gets trapped. He's kind of in this little corner niche mm-hmm. where there's radiator and there's nowhere to run. Uh-huh. This guy reaches down with his peaches can grabber. <laughs> plucks the squirrel up and tosses him out the window. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just to let you know he lives on the third floor. Yeah, right. Yeah, good thing he was a flying squirrel. Yeah. There you go. So when he chucks that squirrel casually, like he's done this a thousand times, mm-hmm. he just takes this thing and he flicks him off the window. I close all the screens, close all the windows, and there's nothing but relief that right. washes over you. I am like, right. thank God that squirrel's gone. <laughs> yeah. And I look at the guy, and he is just. He is grinning from ear to ear. Like, if you've ever heard that like, everybody's heard that saying. And when you see somebody grinning ear to ear, you know what you're seeing. Yes. And I look at him, and he's grinning, and he goes, never caught one with these before. he's, he's like, squeezing them. You know, he's showing me, like, he's he's squeezing them, and they're pinching together. He was so excited that he got a chance to catch a squirrel. And I'm guessing he is probably telling that same story on a podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I can add a little bit to that,
0: actually. Not to his story, but just to say I've had the squirrel in the house. Mm -hmm. So my fear of the squirrel that I was talking about last story going into the house was a real fear. Right. Because we had one in our basement Mm -hmm. and our squirrel, though, only traveled via the pipes for the boiler. Mm -hmm. So it was never on the floor. Right. When you would go down there, it would run from one end of the room to the other above your head. Right. So we had a life trap. But how do you <laughs> shove it on boiler <laughs> bikes? Because you could put it on the floor. He was never down there. Right, right. So it lasted that way for a couple of days. And I said, Denise, we got to get this squirrel out of here. What we're going to do is we're just going to open up. We're going to close the door to the kitchen so we can't get in the upper level of the house. Mm-hmm. We'll open up the back door, prop open the screen door, and we're just going to scare him and chase him until he runs out on his own.
3: Right.
0: And she's like, okay, but I'm going to scream. And I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's perfectly okay. Except I, that. <laughs> I'll probably scream too. He's on this end of the house and tucked up underneath the like the foundation and the first floor there under the joices and the insulation buried himself in there. Like I'm going to get a broom and I'm just going to kind of poke in there until he runs across. And then you've got to use this broom to make him jump off the pipes Mm -hmm. and onto the floor. And then don't let him get past you. Make sure he turns around (laughs) to go back out the other way. So (laughs) most of that happened, except She probably screamed and the squirrel got past her, but it was all right because he ran back into what used to be the coal room. Right. So there was a coal chute from the driveway. It was just a four by eight cement Mm -hmm. wall Mm -hmm. room. Mm -hmm. He went in there. There was nowhere else he could go. We had the live trap. So I followed him into there and closed the door behind us. So now it's me, Denise, in a four by eight room with a wild squirrel. (laughs) And I'm looking around and I'm looking around and I'm going, where is he? It's a room I use for spray painting. So I had a table in there and some other storage stuff. Couldn't find him. Like, only place he could be is underneath. We had some old uh, storm windows from the house that were leaning up against the corner. Right. So he's got to be back underneath there. So I took the live trap and I put it. Right at the entrance, because the other other end was against the wall. So, I put the trap there, and like it was a hollow oak tree, I pounded on the storm windows.
2: <laughs>
0: and nothing happened. Uh-huh. So, like, he's, he can't be anywhere else. He can't be anywhere else. So, I pounded on the storm windows again. Nothing happened. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got to look. I've got to see if he's if he's back there. Right. So I, I bring my head all the way down to the edge of the storm window because I didn't want to open it a lot. I just right. wanted to peek in right. there, and you can't peek from far away because of the angles. So my head's right there, and I peel back the storm windows. That squirrel walked up the wall and was right in the corner. <laughs> Like three inches from my face. When I, and I just slammed them, the storm windows, back against the wall. And then the next thing I heard was the life trap spring. Kind of and he was in the trap, but I let him go free to run up our maple tree. And he was <laughs> happy as can be.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, let's see now. What have we learned? That uh, some things are hard to catch and that squirrels are not completely unpredictable. Just like when Arthur and Ford are in prehistoric Earth, Mm -hmm. and uh, the Chesterfield sofa shows up. Correct. (laughs) Arthur shouted Ford at him, That Chesterfield sofa is there because of the space-time instability. We've got to catch it. It's our only way out of here. Arthur felt happy. He was terribly pleased that the day was, for once, working out so much according to his plan. Only 20 minutes ago, he decided that he would go mad, and now he was already chasing a Chesterfield sofa across the fields of prehistoric Earth. (laughs) Yes. So in that way, madness lies. (laughs) Yes, madness set in (laughs) while chasing a squirrel. And Jeff, I understand that your next story is about perception and perspective.
0: Yes, it is. It's going to be the same story, but I'm going to tell it twice. The first time is going to be what I believed I saw. And the second will be what I determined actually happened. So I'm going for a bike ride, and I'm just kind of cruising down the sidewalk. And I see a squirrel in this park grassy area with its head just buried in the grass. And it's, it is after something, and it is just... Head down, digging, 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 digging. And so I just pedaled very slowly. I didn't coast because I didn't want my bike to make any noise. I just (laughs) kept pedaling very slowly. And as soon as I got next to the squirrel, I just made a little noise. And I didn't think anything of it and just (laughs) kind of kept going on my way. Mm -hmm. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw that squirrel hightail it out. He just ran so fast across this field and then I saw him stop and he turned around and he bolted equally as fast right back at me and then I'm like oh wait this (laughs) this isn't gonna happen what in the world is this squirrel gonna do and then he got about I don't know a couple of feet from me back to the original point that he started at like he forgot something and he turned around again and then ran away. And I'm riding down the road going, that was the oddest thing in the world. Why would the squirrel turn around and charge me only to stop and then run away again? It it didn't make any sense. So you have to remember I'm on a bike and the squirrel is literally three feet He's just a foot off the sidewalk, so it's right there. I'm looking straight down at him. <laughs> when I made that noise, he jumped mm-hmm. straight in the air. Right. But from my perspective, looking down, right, all because I wasn't looking at him, it was out of the corner of my eye. All mm-hmm. I saw was his body travel along the grass. Right. Just
2: right. So, so it looked to away, me
0: like he was going that. away, <laughs> but he went, and that's why it looked like he went so fast. Right. Because <laughs> he was going straight up in the air. And then his turning around and charging back at me was him coming straight back down mm, that
3: seems to the exact
0: spot that he was originally. And then he ran away. But I never thought that I would have the terror in my heart that I had when I saw <laughs> that squirrel turn and charge at me. Or death by squirrel. <laughs> death by squirrel. Well, I know we can jump that high now, because <laughs> if he wanted to launch,
3: he certainly could have launched. Right, right. Sue and I do some hiking, and it's funny because the thing you ex- described as the squirrel running away and turning around, we had a black bear do oh. to us. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I can was... only imagine the right. fear. So. Uh, we're we're hiking down this trail, and it was a it was a misty, foggy day in the mountains. And I chose this trail because it said there's opportunity for bear sightings on this one. And I've always wanted. You went looking for bears. I've (laughs) always wanted to see a bear in the wild. Okay, so we we round the corner. And you just hear branches breaking. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the forest is silent. Mm -hmm. And you just hear branches breaking. And it's not like little snap-snap twigs. It's branches. Mm -hmm. Right. And you just, you turn, and a black bear that was high in a tree heard us, spooked him. And he come flying down that tree. Oh, jeez. Like, just top speed. (laughs) And I'm thinking... We're dead. Yeah. Like we are dead. And he hit the ground mm-hmm. and went away. And he, he ran thirty yards up the hill and turned around and looked at us. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like that moment where I can't even breathe. I am so scared right now. I can't even breathe. But you can't then I'm watch going. Your life
1: choices, are you?
3: But I'm faster than Sue. Sue. Like I, right. I'm probably going to be able to leave her. <laughs> so sue's like i have to get a picture she's like she takes out her camera and she's shaking so much every picture she took of the bear was so blurry because like that adrenaline rush yeah right, right. he's coming down the tree i'm not thinking i spooked him mm-hmm. i'm thinking he's like i'm going to yeah. kill you right so, yeah. that's yeah
0: the bear's more afraid of you than you are of it.
3: Yeah, you don't have to put that in the episode. But oh, well,
0: sure. that's, that's That's my, my, yeah, that's yeah. my bear story. Mm. So a listener? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, those kind of sudden revelations reminds me of Fenchurch. And in the book, it talks about her reaction when she did have this sudden revelation. Mm-hmm. It was unnoticed worry just dropping away, like taking off heavy weights. Like black and white becoming color. Like a dry stick suddenly watered. The sudden shift of perspective that says, put away your worries. The world is a good and perfect place. Yes, the world was good and perfect when I realized the squirrel was not charging to attack me. And
0: the
3: the bear wasn't charging. He was going the other direction, not coming at us.
1: The only thing I can think about the bear is now now you've got some some proof that a Yeti exists, is that right? <laughs> fuzzy pictures of a bear, you know? You've got fuzzy pictures, <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, yes. Yes. Right. yes. Bigfoot! Bigfoot! Look, here's yes. Bigfoot. And John, are you gonna tell us about a haunted house?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my, my last story is called A Ghost Named Snyder. <laughs> So, this was my first squirrel encounter in our home. Okay. So, when this story happened, I had no expectation that there could be a squirrel at my house. Right. We found out with the second one, the last story, that he came through the fireplace. Mm -hmm. Right. So, once we figured out that he came down the chimney and came through the fireplace, then we solved that problem and I haven't had a squirrel issue since knock on wood. Right. So this one was our first home squirrel encounter. And again, we were gone for a weekend. (laughs) So this was back, this is probably 10, 12 years ago. Right. And ghost shows, the ghost hunting shows were a big deal. Like every channel seemed to have some group hunting ghosts. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it, Ended up being something that Sue and I could watch together. Like she has her shows that I hate. I have my <laughs> shows that she hates. Oh. Ghost hunting shows were something that we could watch together and not yeah. look at each the other. The
0: Venn diagram of your show Yes, overlapped. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That ghost very, hunting. The very <laughs> narrow
3: little space, yeah. uh-huh. ghost shows was in there. <laughs> So somewhere along the line, Sue had been talking to somebody who was saying that they went to an actual haunted house that was featured on one of these ghost shows. So Sue's like, we totally have to do this. And I'm like, (laughs) absolutely. Like, I'm in. This sounds awesome. So we got some family together, some friends, and we drove down. It was hours away from our house, and it 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 was the beginning of a very long weekend. So we went down to this house, and it wasn't a bed and breakfast. You didn't get to stay there. You didn't get to sleep there. They didn't give you breakfast in the morning. <laughs> what it was is you can rent this giant house mm-hmm. for 12 hours, like mm-hmm. at night till 9 in the morning, and do your ghost investigation. So mm-hmm. if you see people with recorders, and you're going to talk and try to communicate with the right. ghost, or right. whatever little contraptions you have, you can do. So... We went down. We spent a night in the haunted house, and for the most part, nothing happened. Like I didn't hear voices. No, <laughs> image, right. like there was no disembodied being walking in front of me.
0: <laughs> no unexplained taps on your shoulder. You know? No, it
3: was ju- what it was. Was a great study in. Human imagination and, <laughs> <Gullability>. fear, control. <laughs> yeah. and well, fear control. You when you if you're told you're walking into a haunted house, yes. there's a certain anxiety that goes into you and you and can you sure. go sit in a room by yourself? Will you go to the basement by yourself? Like that's what it turned into me. It turned into this great psychological study.
1: Right. huh Awesome.
3: So the the weekend goes on, it closes, we had a great time, it was fun just to do it, and we get home on Sunday night and Work Monday, and Monday night we're at our house, and I start hearing noises in my basement. It's sound. There's things moving around. (laughs) uh So the first time it happens, I didn't really think anything of it. And then the second time it happens, and Sue is kind of hearing the same things. So there's that moment that I have two warring sides, like the two (laughs) angels. I got the angel and the devil on my shoulder, and the devil's going, you idiot you brought a ghost home (laughs) with you. Because if you watch those ghost shows long enough, Mm -hmm. you'll see the episode where somebody brought a ghost home from the cemetery. (laughs) So I'm like, oh my God, I have a dude in my basement Mm -hmm. moving shit around. And on the other side, it's like going, you just spent... All this time in a haunted house where you are extending every sense you are listening for the <laughs> smallest noises right. right to try to figure out if there's anything going on here and mm-hmm. you just haven't let that go yet. So right. these are all normal sounds in your house that you've just never really paid attention to right mm-hmm. We've been in the house 10 years or more <laughs> right like I knew all the normal sounds uh-huh. and these weren't so these noises go on pretty much all week. We keep hearing things. And then you'd hear something, you go in the basement, you'd look around. Nothing looks out of place, but my basement's unfinished, and mm-hmm. I got crap everywhere. Right. So, like, <laughs> it's it, when you're looking at a mess, it's hard to notice any disturbance in a mess. Right. right, right. So this goes on all week. And I am home Sunday morning. I'm in my favorite chair with my coffee. <laughs> And Susan on the couch, and we hear a plastic five-gallon bucket slide across the floor. (laughs) (laughs) On a scale of one to ten, ten being the most identifiable noises, a five-gallon bucket sliding across a concrete floor is an 11. Right. So, there yeah. is no other sound that sounds like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I was enraged because now I can't pass these noises off as my imagination. Right, Somebody just moved a bucket in my basement. Mm-hmm. And I am going to go to my basement and I am going to start screaming at whatever being is down there to get out of my house because I don't want you here But mostly it was just frustration and anger. Mm -hmm. So I'm heading towards the basement. Start going down the stairs and I kind of calm myself. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm I'm going with the approach like, I'm just going to sit on the stairs and see what I see. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) So my
3: basement, like the bungalow, it's Mm -hmm. unfinished. You go down, the stairs are in the complete back of the house. You go down, you're looking towards the front of the house the only wall is there's a little room in the very front of the house that I call the workroom mm-hmm. and it's it's separated from the main basement by a cinder block wall. Mm-hmm. And I go down and I creep down and I look and as I'm looking, I see a squirrel <laughs> walk across my boiler pipes yep. <laughs> and then crawl into a hole in the cinder blocks. Uh-huh. And go up okay relief yeah was the first thing <laughs> i don't have a ghost in my house oh, there you go. was an exhilarating championship relief <laughs> moment of exultation yes. Yes. there you go <laughs> which was quickly followed by holy crap i have a squirrel in my house <laughs> right and i have no idea how to get him out but at least it's a physical entity. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a chance. Yes. So I go up. I tell Sue that I found our ghost. And it's a squirrel. Mm-hmm. So we this at this time I start making phone calls. And I find out that my nephew has a live trap. Which yeah. I utilized a few years later. Right. And I went and got the live trap. And I set it up in the basement. And a day goes by. And another day goes by. And squirrel's not going in the trap. Mm-hmm. So where he was nesting was inside my cinder block wall there's a hole that uh basically a downspout from the gutters used to fill a cistern Uh so this is where a downspout went through the wall to the cistern Mm -hmm. that had been since removed right so he's got basically a four inch hole in the wall that's blocked on the other side because on the other side of the wall is cabinet Mm -hmm. and then he can go up because the bottom was filled, he could go up into like the, the shaft of a cinder block wall, right? They, yeah. they have, there's two sections mm-hmm. and they're staggered, but the shafts line up. Right. right? So he's living in a concrete masonry shaft.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, A day goes by, two days go by, three days go by. I can't get the squirrel to go in the trap. He's got, uh, I found a bag of grass seed. Because once you start looking for squirrel evidence as opposed (laughs) to ghost evidence, (laughs) like things change. And I'm like, oh my God, he opened up a bag of grass seed. Uh So he's probably got six pounds of grass seed in his little (laughs) hole. Right. I don't know what to do at this point. So then the evil genius side of me goes, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to build something Mm -hmm. that only allows him either in his little den or in the trap. Right. Now the hole is over my old school concrete wash tub.
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
3: And it's five or six feet in the air. So it's not the easiest thing to get to, but When you're a genius, (laughs) you go to Home Depot, (laughs) and I bought dryer vent, Mm -hmm. like hard pipe dryer vent, Mm -hmm. and a couple of elbows, Okay. and my plan was I'm going to assemble this thing, and then once I'm sure he's in his little den, I'm going to block the top of the wall so he can't get out, and then I'm going to stick this contraption over the front, and it's basically a aluminum gerbil tube that <laughs> yeah. goes from the hole oh, and gosh. then like it comes out and then bends down and then makes a couple other bends oh, and God. it's going to go into the trap and mm-hmm. it's attached to the trap and it's blocked so it's <laughs> like you're in the you're in your den mm-hmm. or you're in the trap right when you go there's right. nowhere else to go
1: right the old-fashioned game of mouse trap comes to mind <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Except you don't have to have a guy diving off of a diving board into the pond, right? Right. So
3: I have told this story so many times. There's a couple of opinions that are prominent. The first one is, are you kidding me? You lived in a house with a squirrel for a week. (laughs) Right. Yes. Like, And I'm like. 100 percent never even like i wasn't worried about the squirrel coming upstairs and like chewing my jugular like i wasn't worried about it it was just and at this point once i start my evil genius plan i am (laughs) excited because i cannot wait Mm -hmm. to tell the story of catching a squirrel by building an aluminum gerbil tube (laughs) tube Right to a
1: trap. Right, Rube Goldberg would be proud. Yeah. So,
3: so one day goes by, Snyder not in the trap. So if you're in my house for a week, you get a name. The squirrel became Snyder. I don't know how he became Snyder, but so so Snyder not in the trap. Mm -hmm. Did he get your pretzels or something? Maybe. (laughs) I don't think so. Day two, no squirrel. Day three, no squirrel, and I'm like. Okay, now I'm now the frustration level's getting up there. He's in my house ten days, and I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? He doesn't have that much room in there. I'm gonna put on my heavy leather jacket, I'm gonna put on my heavy leather gloves, I'm gonna pull my <laughs> gerbil tube out of the way, yeah. I'm gonna reach in that fucking hole, I'm gonna grab that little guy, I'm gonna stuff him in the trap and mm-hmm. take him out. Right. So I'm all geared up and and I pull my contraption out of the way, and he's not there. Oh. There's no squirrel. Hmm. So I, I actually go get like a wire hanger and I disassemble the wire hanger, like undo it, and I'm kind of sticking <laughs> it up in the hole because he's got about two feet. Right. Like, there's no squirrel in there. Right. And I, I I saw him go in there when my <laughs> plan sprang an egg. Right. right. <laughs> so maybe... Maybe he was a ghost. So at this point, I I go into what I call my Winnie the Pooh mode, where I'm sitting there on on like a little stool going, think, 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 think. How? Where did this thing go? Mm -hmm. And then it dawned on me. He went up one masonry shaft to the top of the wall and down into the other one. Right. And then I put the board on top with a weight, so I've had a squirrel in a pitch black masonry shaft with no way out, <laughs> right, for four days. There, there you go. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, how do I get a dead, smelly squirrel oh, out of my wall? Like that's what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh my god! And I felt bad, like I when I thought that I killed. Little Snyder, I felt <laughs> terrible. Yeah, and
0: you can't really just Google how to stop a body from smelling because you get you
1: put on somebody's <laughs> yeah. radar. You get an FBI investigation. That's right, that's right. So
3: what I ended up doing is I took everything down, I put the trap back on the floor, and I just left it out there and went to bed, and I get up the next morning, and Snyder is in the trap. Yes. He finally came out. He went into the trap after his solitary confinement <laughs> right. where he was, in the hole he was in the hole for four days uh-huh. like Andy Dufresne. Mm-hmm. He came out and he ends up in my trap. And I remember, like, being so excited. I was so relieved that he was in there. Oh, and yeah? I went I went down and got, like, like rex right to him going, oh, it's little Snyder. And I was going yeah. like, I'm so happy to see you. And that squirrel, like, launched himself <laughs> at the cage right in front of my oh, face. Yeah. Like, Snyder did not find this fun <laughs> no, no, at, at, at all. all. There's, nope. like, Snyder wasn't telling this story Mm-mm. afterwards. But no. I took Snyder and took him to a forest preserve and let Snyder go. But, yeah, for a while there... He was a ghost mm-hmm. and it was a huge challenge. And I'm still really angry that my master gerbil to
1: plan <laughs> failed. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. I love it. Well, that takes us pretty nicely in a circle here, Jeff. Yes. Because that uh, story of haunting is like the story on Lamuella, Right. Because when Arthur's ship crashed on that uncharted planet, he insisted that the villagers take him back to the crash site, which they did uneasily. After that, though, word had gotten around that the whole area was haunted and no one ever ventured back there. No. So you had the manic squirrels taken over by the service spot things and
0: they were giving out little scraps of paper Mm -hmm. with magazines and Mm -hmm.
1: cloth for wet towels and right little... And the video video screens are the video. And the video screens, yes. We're were shooting uh, images from all over the universe. (laughs) Correct. That's a nice way to wrap up the haunted Lamuella story and the story of squirrels in our neighborhood.
0: (laughs) Well, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to the squirrel stories as much as we enjoyed telling them, even though I know... That is impossible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and if you believe six impossible things before breakfast, then you too are a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right.
3: <laughs> I really appreciate you guys having me as your very first guest. I am honored. I enjoyed telling my stories again. Yes. But this time, recorded for eternity
0: (laughs) yes so now you don't have to tell them you can just say here here's the podcast podcast. (laughs) there you go yes well this was a lot of fun i'm glad that we were able to do this for this little bonus episode and in two weeks you'll get to hear the second half of our discussion about mostly harmless
1: wonderful so jeff i guess it's time to say goodbye well we're out of here Don't forget to tip your squirrels. Yeah, they like nuts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Digital Watches Are a Pretty Neat Idea. Look for us the first Thursday of every month for a full episode. We will also release a bonus episode later in the month. A very special thanks goes out to Luke, Max, Greg, and Tim Lesnick for arranging and performing our opening theme. We would also like to thank our talented friends and family for their voice work on our introductions and commercials. And it goes without saying, a special thank you to my brother John Lesnick for coming and sharing some of his squirrel stories. Visit our website at digitalwatchesareaprettyneatidea.buzzsprout.com where you can find links to all my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy-inspired t-shirt designs. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube as Digital Watches Are a Pretty Neat Idea, on Instagram as Watches Idea Podcast, and on Twitter at Watches Idea. If you'd like to contact us, our email is digitalwatchespodcast at (laughs) gmail.com.
3: This has been a Fruits for Thought production.